Good morning, everybody. Today, Mr. Trey will be learning Daf Ein Chesim Maseches Gittin. Welcome back, Barry. We missed you terribly. So, let me catch you up on what's going on. Uh, so, twelve lines down in Ein Zayin Amid Beis, they started a story. We're we're, we're probably going to start the two dots in the middle of Ein Zayin Amid Beis, but I have to get you caught up, okay? And the issue was like this: there was a Shchiv Meira, and he wanted to give. There was a question that went to Rava when he was like the Rav, and the question was as follows. How is a woman going to be Kona a uh, get if the get is thrown in her chatzar? That was the topic of yesterday's Mishnah, okay? A get is thrown into her chatzar, and the Gemara wants to know. The Mishnah says that a man can throw a get to his wife into her chatzar, and that get is valid. The question is, how is she Kona after all, right? Whatever the woman is Kona, the husband is Kona. Okay, so we gave up shot. Rava gave his own shot. That was yesterday's daf. But Rava's premise, which is how we start today, is that Gita ve Yada bain keechad. He makes the following, uh, the following equation, right? He says, just like when the Torah says, ve nasan be Yada, right? Ve kasa ve nasan be Yada. That you write a get and then you hand it to her in her hand. You could say also when you when you hand a woman a get, we're going to see this inside, that after all, anything that a woman acquires, her husband acquires. That's the halachic, right? We're about to, we're foreshadowing Kiddushin, and within a couple of weeks we're learning Bezat Hashem Seches Kiddushin, a man is Kona as Isha. Now it happens to be true, he's not, and Tosos addresses this, he's not really Kona her physical goof per se, right? There are Kinyane Kiddushin. We'll get very into that. And also, right, so it's not really an acquisition, although a slave is a, is a real Kinyane Guf. That's an acquisition. But with the wife, it's not exactly that kind of acquisition. Although he is Kona Hermaisi Adaim, he can, in fact, inherit right her earnings. This is all relevant to what we're talking about now. Um, so if a man were to theoretically be Kona the Adaim of his, of his wife, so then he would never be able to hand her a get. So that leads to a conundrum where Rava says, Gita This would be true of a slave. This would be true of a woman. And it would be also true of her chatzer, which is to say, what is Gita In all three cases, whether it's a woman receiving a get, a kiddushin, a slave receiving his emancipation document, or a woman bikona, her get through it being thrown into her chatzer, it's a simultaneous acquisition of the rights to acquire the document and the document at the same time. Which is to say, as the document lands in your hand or in your chatzer, you acquire the rights to acquire the document simultaneously as you're acquiring the document. That's called Gita Vyada Bain Kecha. They come simultaneously. That is Rava's abstract, beautiful uh, uh, premise. So then the question that happened yesterday was somebody was dying and he and it was like Erev Shabbos. He didn't have time to give his wife the get. They're both in the house. And he's not going to be able to, for whatever reason, hand it to her directly. And the issue is Shabbos came, right? Boom. It was Shkia. Why couldn't he hand it to her directly? Rashi says because the get is Mukta. Okay? So if the get is Mukta, you can't hand it to her. So, but it's there. So it's laying on the floor, let's say, or it's on the night table. So they said, you know what? Make a Kenyan. In the context of Chatzar, you can like close and open the door, lock and open the door, 
right? It's a form of a, what we call a Kenyan, right? It's a form of a uh, formal act of acquisition on the get. Let her make the Kenyan. By, let the wife make the Kenyan. In other words, leave the get where it is. Let the wife make some sort of formal acquisition act on the get, and she will receive the get that way. In other words, that was Rava, is the Rav of the Shul, let's say. He gave that, uh, he gave that halachic decision. Again, why did he have to do it? Because if she did not acquire it on Shabbos, right, she couldn't pick it up on Shabbos because it was Muktzah. Why she can make a Kenyan on Shabbos, uh, is that, uh, obvi- apparently that's a lesser because that also has aspects of a darabanan, right? So this is like about 15 different lumdish bombs in here in this psak, right? You could write a whole tshuva on this psak. But the point is, let's, we learn from this that it's actually, that muktzah is a more severe, when we learn halachas uh, of muktzah, we know that muktzah may have gone back all the, day, uh, all the way back to the days of Dov and Amalek. Muktzah was a more, is a more serious takana. So in order to avoid this iser of muktzah, they made the acquisition in a different way, by opening and closing the door. They had to do it that way because the guy was going to die on Shabbos, it looked like. If he was not going to make it through Shabbos, so then she would be an almana, and he specifically did not want her to be a widow, right? He wanted her to be megureshes, to be a divorcee, because he didn't want her to fall to yibum or whatever rationale there was in that particular case, okay? So that was Rava's suggestion, open and close the door. So then, Amalei Rav Ilish Lavava, Mashakanta Isha Kanabala. So there too, right, this is... Um, where Rav Ilish asked, said to Rava, but how does she acquire, after all, any acquisition that she gets in any way, whether it's through a chazaka or through giving it in her chatzar, should actually be, um, should actually be acquired by her husband. So Ichsif, initially Rava was embarrassed, and then Lasof Igli Milsa Darusa Avai. And subsequently it was discovered that this woman was not in Nasua but in Arusa. That made a difference, they thought, because after all, all these issues of Masha Kansa, Isha Kansa Rabba, the whole idea that anything that a woman is uh, Kona, her husband gets, is really a consequence of Nisuin, the next stage, right? Once they're living together. But when they're only have Erusin, that doesn't take effect yet. And therefore, that turned out that in the case where the man who was dying was giving the get, Rava's psak retroactively turned out to be correct. In other words, <laughs> it turns out later on you'll see that he would agree even in Nisuin or in Erusin. But at the time, when he was a young rabbi, Right, and he was making the psak. He happened to have been correct. Hashem watched over him, but he was only correct because she was an arusa. He thought that he was like embarrassed because he thought, "Oh, thank God she was an arusa, so it was the right psak." Had she been an asua, then maybe um, he had this like moment of embarrassment. Maybe I gave the wrong psak. Had she been an asua, maybe taka he would not be a good way to give her the acquisition because the husband would essentially be giving it to himself. And then Amarava, Imamur ben Asua, Yomer ben Asua, But then Rava realized, um, right, that actually, if they say the Masha Kansa Ida Kansa Isha Kansa Rabo, right, if it's true of Nasua, maybe it's not true of Arusa, and therefore he, uh, at that point, was less embarrassed. In other words, initially he was embarrassed. Then he thought that, thank God. I did the right thing, I gave the right psak, and this shtick of her closing the door worked, because after all, it wasn't an asua, it was an arusa, so I gave the correct shot, because in the case of an arusa, the, um, the Baal's acquisition does not 
officially go back to the woman. And then, loshna arusav loshna nesua. So you see how the Gemara reads? What it's saying then is, as the Gemara continues to say, that ultimately, Rava, when he got uh, a little more experienced, realized that even though at the time he thought he dodged a bullet because the case was one of an arusa, and in the case of an arusa, Masha Isha, her Baal does not, is not Kona, and therefore by closing the door, she is Kona the Get, and that worked out. Ultimately, later on, as he got experience, he realized it would not have made a difference. That even if she had been in the sewer, she could have done this particular, she could have used this patent, this, uh, this idea of his to actually acquire the Get. Why? Because Gita Vechatzer Boyin Ke'echad. Because after all, Gita Vechatzer Boyin Ke'echad. That just like, right, a gita v'yada or by an eved, the get shichur and the emancipation comes together. So too, in the case of a nisua too, the get and the chatzer would would be buying ke'echad. So again, in this particular halachic shaila that Rava had, right, a woman closing, let's say, the door to the bedroom, locking it, acquiring it formally that way, even if she was a nisua, she would acquire her get at the same time that she acquired the rights to acquire the get. And it would have worked. It would have worked. So to which the Gemara asks, But we already said that. Why then do you have to? Why are we saying now? If that's Rava's idea, that's his mantra. So why was he initially embarrassed when Rav Elish asked him the question? So says the Gemara. Yeah, that story when he was a young rabbi and he was asked the Shaila. That's where he came up with the idea of Gita Bechatzer, by Echad. In other words, that's literally when he came to the realization that this was the, uh, that this was the halacha. So a fascinating little historical note in the, sort of like the development of Rava as a posek in that time. Fine. So now we're at the two dots in the middle of a Hebeshach Besa. So the person is throwing a get to his wife while she's inside her house or inside her chatzer. She's divorced. So her house, her chatzer. It's another form, so you may ask Barry, because uh, we discussed this yesterday, doesn't the Torah say Vinasan La, like you have to give it to her hand, Vinasan La Biyada? So that's what the Gemara discussed yesterday, that any form of Nasina would be good, it'd have to be something similar to Yada, but the way the Pasuk is formulated, it has to be somewhere where she acquires it, okay? Uh, but it doesn't have to be in her actual hand. So throwing it into her is good enough. So Amar Ula says the Gemara, So he qualifies it. He said, even though. It's true that she could acquire it by throwing it into her chatzer or her house. She would have to be present. That was Ula's position. However, Rabosha disagrees. Rabosha, Even if she's not present, she could be in Tveria and, and the, the courtyard could be in Tzipari. She does not have to be present at the acquisition. It has to be thrown into property that's in her name and is owned by her, but she does not have to be present. So there's a machlokas about whether she needs to be present. Says the Gemara, But wait a minute. The Mishnah itself said, It sounds like she does have to be present. So how could Rabosha say that she doesn't? So, says, so the Gemara says, Rabosha would have to understand our Mishnah this way. It must be as if she's there. It must be as if she's in her house or in her chatzera. The Chev and the Chatzera Mishnah Merzladaita, he because since as long as that chatzer is guarded and is under her control and she is the only one with the keys and she's the one that has the ownership, so then she's mitkareshet, even if she's not present. That's how uh, Rabbi Oshia would read our Mishnah. 
In other words, Rabbi thinks that she does not have to be present. And when the Mishnah says that she's chatzera, it means it's as if she's in her chatzera uh, because she has ownership over it. Okay. So then now the Gemara wants to know what's the machlokas? In other words, why would they be cholek or ula and Raboshi about whether she needs to be present? Maybe the In other words, ula would hold that that why can you throw a get into her chatzer? Because a chatzer is an extension of her yad. Well, if it's an extension of her yad, it sounds like she would need to be there. Because just like your hand is near you, so too your, she needs to be near the chatzer when it's being thrown. Whereas Roshi would hold that no, how's the chatzer kone for her? It's like a shaliach for her. Okay. Well, this certainly is a lumdus idea, okay? You could spend a month on this in yeshiva, right? Does the chatzar serve as her actual hand? In other words, we know from the Mishnah that, that you could throw it into the chatzar and she could acquire it that way. But is the chatzar serving as her shaliach or as her yad? If it's serving as her yad, she needs to be present. If it's serving as an emissary on her behalf, then... Uh, then she needs, then she does need not be present because obviously the whole point of a shaliach is a shaliach is your emissary and it's not in your presence, it's in your absence. Um, obviously there's a lot more here, right? Because it would, you would have to really um, sort of analyze in which way the chatzah serves as a shaliach. But be that as it may, we'll, for the sake of experience, we do have to move uh, beyond this. Just know that that's the machlokas, Ula and Ravoshia, whether it's a shaliach or bayad. However, that uh, machlokas doesn't hold up. The reason we're not going to delve, delve so much into it is the question really would be if you were learning the lambdas with everybody, Safar Shlita, let's say, is you'd have to understand what's the Havamina, that's Mishim Shlichus, right? It seems Pashat that the Chatz is like a Yad. That's what we've been talking about until now, and that's what Gemara continues to say. The Gemara says, Lo, the Chule Alma Chatz Mishim Yadar is Rabbi. Everybody would hold that Chatzer is really the way, the reason it's Kone, it's because like, it's an extension of the woman's hand. The Machlokas, therefore, would be like this. Ula would hold that the, the Chatzar, we know, can be counted for the woman just like her hand is. And, and it's just a question of how far do you extend that analogy. Would you say that because it's counted like the hand is, so then just like a hand is proximal to the body, so to the Chatzar, she has to be near the Chatzar? Or would you say, <laughs> whereas Roshi would say, well, how far are you, are you going to extend this analogy? Are you going to extend it to the absurd extreme and say that what? That just like her hand is connected to her, so too she has to be attached to her chatzar? That certainly is not the case. So obviously there's a spectrum, right? Somewhere along the line, the chatzar is going to acquire like her hand, but she's not going to have to be actually physically on it. So we say, Ela ki yada. Ma yada mishtemeres ladaita, afchatser mishtemeres ladaita, lafuke chatser mishtemeres shaloladaita. So Rabboshia's opinion would be that no. That's not exactly, a chatser is in fact going to be acquiring, both Rabboshia and Ula are going to agree that the chatser is kona just like a yad is kona. But the question is, how far do you extend it? So Rabboshia would say, no, you extend it ke yada, like her hand. Just like her hand is, is mishtemeret in the sense that she has control of her hands, so to the chatzer, she doesn't have to be actually physically present, but simply have to have control, right? Hamishtameris ladaita. She has to have some control over the chatzer, which is to say she has the keys, she has the ownership, but she doesn't have to actually physically be present, she doesn't have to be physically connected to the chatzer, 
what would then be a case of a chatzer where it's not kone? So that's what it says. If you have a chatzer that's not under her control, right? She's not the one with the keys. She can't get in. She can't get out. Okay, so then that chatzer would not be kone. But a chatzer where she has the control would in fact be kone according to Ravoshia. So let's say halacha to that regard. Twelve lines up from the bottom. So a man writes, uh, throws a get to his wife. And she is standing in the courtyard. And the get lands on a wooden block inside the courtyard. So let's take a look. In other words, what would be the psak? We have to check. If the plank that it lands on is its own rishus, right? It's four by four amos. As we learned already in Masechus Shabbos and Masechus Ervin, it would have its own Rishus. Okay. So what, what's the difference? Who cares? So then Rishus Alanafshe means that the get is not valid. Why? So as Rashi explains, because when you're talking about having its own Rishus, so the Baal allows her to have that area on the Chatzar, but he's not allowing her to have every single Rishus within that Rishus. He's only allowing her to have the Rishus of the Chatzar itself. So if something is big enough so as to establish its own Rishus and a get lands on that, he did not relinquish that part of the chatzer to the wife, and therefore it would not be right. It would, it would not be counted that way. However, if it's small, the ilo chadar right? But if the plank is small enough, then the whole thing is considered one rishus, and she is konet. Okay, so the gemara has to analyze this a little bit. Wait a minute, the maya skinan. Which whose chatzer is this after all? If it's her courtyard, if it's in fact her chatzer, then certainly we don't care whether it's a Dalit size or not, either way, the whole thing belongs to her. And certainly the get would work, right? This whole Shiloh only makes sense if it's the husband's own courtyard. But then the question would be, if it's his courtyard, then, then it doesn't matter, even if the block was less than four Amos, so then the whole thing is his Chatzar. How is she Kone and his Chatzar? So what do you have to say? So this is what I was alluding to before. What was the case? Says the Gemara. What happened was the husband lent her the makom, the get, the, that portion of the chatzer, in order for her to be koner the get that way. For whatever reason, he, did, he wasn't able to hand it in her hand, so he lent her that portion of the chatzer, and then he was going to throw the get into that chatzer, and then the issue would be the chad makom moshle tre moshle in other words, by lending her that makom, the intention of the Baal was only to lend her the chatzer, but not any other independent, right, rishus inside that chatzer. So the Baal lends the chatzer to the wife and he throws her the chatzer. If it happens to land on a plank that's an independent rishus, so then he's, he did not have in mind to lend that to her. But if it's a small enough block that it's just considered one of the, you know, metaltalin tricycles or whatever that's in the, in the chatzer, so then that's not considered an independent rishos, and that would be part of the actual uh, chatzer that he lent to her, and that would be, in fact, kone, and that's how it would work. Now, three lines up from the bottom, the Gemara says, A little bit of a qualification. We talk about dalad by dalad being the only thing that would make it an independent rishos, but there are other things also as we learned in Shabbos and Erevin, that might make something an independent rishus. So, for example, if the plank was not uh, a tenth fachim high, okay, then certainly a small block 
would not make it an independent rishus, and that would be fine. Aval gavoh asar, but if it was ten tefachim high, then alpha gav the law v'arbamos. Right, so we already know these parameters. If that something is an independent rishus, even if it's not four amos by four amos, if it's tall enough, it could be an independent rishus in its own right. And v'lamran ela delaysle sham shame levai, an actual name. A shame levai, as Rashi explains, is like if it has some sort of independent, as we arrive at Ein Chesam at the manageable time, 5.57 a.m. If it has a name, like, for example, you have a little tiny statue called the Thinker, and it's the guy sitting there uh, thinking, but it's a small statue, it's less than Dal Badal, it's less than Ten Tfachim, but because it has a name, it has a Chashivas, it would be, in fact, considered its own uh, independent Rishus. So that's another way something could be an independent rishus, right? As the Gemara continues to say, right? It would still have an independent rishus. That's what the Gemara means by that, right? That it's saying that there is another way that even if you're not ten tefachim tall or four by four amos wide, you could still make a name for yourself and be considered your own independent rishus. It's a Gemara. What's Mister Moment, Andrew? That even if we're not big or tall, we can make a big difference in this world. Okay. Three lines down, two dots. Afiluhu imabamita. Okay, so the Mishnah had said that even if the get is with her in the same bed, she's not going to be divorced if the husband simply owns the whole place and he throws it in her direction, right? And she's in his house still. But if it doesn't land, again, he has to give it to her in her hand, supposedly. Okay, he could throw it into her rishus. But his house is not her rishus. So it's just throwing it to her uh, in his rishus is not going to work. So Amar Rava lo shanu lebemita shelo, right? Obviously, we're talking about when it's his bed. Ava bemita shelo Certainly, if she owns the bed and he throws it into that bed, so then that bed is her rishus. That would work for for Gittin. So that uh, we have a supporting brayz. Tanya nami hachi Rabbi Liazar Omer bemita shelo ina megureshes bemita shelo ina megureshes. Rabbi Liazar says exactly what Rava just said. It's a supporting brysa that if it's his bed, she's not Megreshit, but if it's her bed, certainly that's her uh, property, and if she would be Megreshit. Ask the Gemara. Wait a minute. If it's her bed, and he throws it into her bed, she's gonna, that's going to be a proper acquisition? Isn't that Kelia Shalokech Rishus Mocherhu? Aha. What's Kelia Shalokech Rishus Mocherhu? So let's say I own a tambourine store. And so. I sell my uh, tambourine to Andrew, but it's still in my store. So doesn't that still, don't, don't I still own that? Okay. So, Shmas Mina, maybe we would learn from this, that Klisha Lokech Rishus Mocher, Kana Lokech, right? That when, let's say, Andrew's buying a tambourine from me, right? So, so let's say I'm the seller, right? Are you going to say that when Andrew buys the tambourine, even if it's still in my store, he, it's already considered, right, his tambourine, right? So again, mita shalom and the idea is like this, right? The get is, so to speak, the property of the husband until she acquires it, okay? Well, how is she acquiring it uh, from him? So, so let's see, right? Is this really analogous to the, the, the uh, Andrew's, right, uh, tambourine in my store? Let's see. So says the Gemara, Lo tzricha de asara. Right? Rashi says, because asara, it's the last wide line towards the top, to have a rishus alanafshe lovo chashivahu avir rishus mocher levatos rishus hakli. So there's something going on here where there's the rishus, right, of its own when it's ten tvachim high, right? And that area of ten tvachim high, 
is not Rishus HaMocher. So what we're seeing here is that there's a Rishus HaMocher and, and Rishus HaKli. We'll see how, this, how it goes, right? Uh, as follows, right? In other words, the, the bed, right, if it's 10 Tzvachim high, is its own Rishus. Once it's its own Rishus and it's hers, right, so then already that's for sure her Rishus. What's the issue here? The woman is in her own bed. Fine. But the bed is where? In the husband's house. <laughs> okay? So that is the question here. Does the bed that belongs to the woman in the husband's house, is that really considered her bed? Right? After all, it's his house. Oh, so now we have an issue. If it's his house, then what is, right? So this, this isn't really the get, it's really the bed is the issue, right? So what is the status of this bed? It isn't her bed, like she bought the bed from Ikea with her own money, but, she, but it's in his house. So would you call that his bed or her bed? So now we're saying, if the bed is more than 10 tzfachim high, so then the bed is its own rishus, and even though it's in his house, you could still call it her bed, because it's her own rishus. That's what Rashi's explaining. Okay, it nullifies it because it's like even within the airspace of his house, any asp- any part of the house that's above ten tefachim that can be acquired by someone else. That's how Rashi formulates it, and therefore by being more than ten tefachim high, she acquired the bed, and that's how it works. It's it, otherwise it would be like her bed in his house would be the same thing as uh, the tambourine being in my store, right? And 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 he's not calling it okay. But the Gemara says, Wait a minute. The bed may be ten tefachim high, but it's not suspended in midair, Andrew. It's not a flying carpet. It has legs that touch the ground. So how does ten tefachim help, right? So, uh, after all, right, the legs have to rest on somewhere. So says the Gemara. Amal kamkar lo kapti Yeah. Since you could store things under that bed, you could. That area is assumed, and and, and you know people are not mocked for whatever reason. Right, it's sufficiently off the ground that the husband doesn't consider that which is under the bed right to be a, a problem. He doesn't think that the legs are an issue, and therefore, even if the bed is touching the ground and not suspended in midair, once it's more than ten fucking high, that is a scenario where the bed uh, can be hers, even though it's in his apartment. Okay, and she's cut it that way. Fine, two dots, eleven lines down. That seems obvious, right? If a get lands in her lap, isn't that like giving it to her? The, um, so that, that's one possibility. But the other one is, it's in her kalta. That's her sewing basket. So the Gemara is going to ask the same thing. Let's say she has a sewing basket. So why would that get work, right? She's sitting in the kitchen uh, of the house where, that the husband owns, and he throws it in the basket. Uh, he throws it in the laundry basket, Barry. Okay. So what? He owns everything. He owns a laundry basket also. Right? The same idea, right? So we're having the same question. Property that technically kind of belongs to the woman, but it's like metaltalin that's hanging around the house, is, is, a, is a clee that she owns, fine, but it's in his house. So how is that like establishing an independent ownership? So I'm going to review Uh-huh. If the actual basket, the laundry basket, is tied to her in some way, so then at a certain point, that becomes biyada. See what's going on here, Barry? There's a spectrum. 
Biyada doesn't have to be her hand, we, as we learned yesterday, but it has to be attached to her somehow, right? If it's attached to her, it doesn't have to be, then it doesn't have to, as long as it's attached to her, it could be like an independent Kli, right? And if it's attached to her, that's enough to make it, even though she's in his apartment, that's like giving it to her in her Yad. Also agreed with this idea. This is an idea where the basket was tied to her. Okay, so when I said tluya was tied to her, tluya technically means that it's hanging from her, right? Uh, so that's what Rabbi Huda Mishmuel and Rabbi Lazar Yosha said that there was kind of hanging from her. Let's say it was like wrapped around her neck or whatever. Whereas Rosh Hashim Lakish, his chiddush is that even if it's not hanging, ta- hanging from her physically, it's still considered to attach to her and her domain, so to speak, forgotten if it's in fact tied to her, right? So let's say it could be tied to her and like coming along, like dragging on the floor like a leash, as opposed to, right, hanging around her neck, let's say, right? These are different ways that the basket could be tethered to her uh, so as to be considered her property, even though it's in his apartment. Fine. So let's do another case. Another way that could happen is she's sitting, let's say, Indian style on the floor, and the basket is on the ground be- between her legs. That certainly would be her rishus, so to speak, right? Even though it would be on the ground, as Rashi says, that's not the area that the husband's going to be mocked, but on that's considered good enough. Or another way is, maybe her husband sells baskets. What does that matter? So Rashi explains. In other words, different rationales why the husband wouldn't be makbid, right? That even though it's his house, in this particular case, it's a basket warehouse, and all of the areas where the baskets are, he's sort of like Fargins, right? He's sort of like mochel on those areas, and therefore, she's in luck. She has a basket. He lets baskets of other people be in that house. He's not really makbid on that space, and therefore, she's kona that way. Finally, right, Rabbi Yochanan is saying, that any, anywhere that is, right, uh, cheka, right, occupied by her lap, right, anywhere where her lap is, that's of course hers. And mokom kalsa kanulai. And similarly, anything that, a place that's occupied by her basket also is hers. Why? So Amarava, my time at Rabbi Yochanan. What's Rabbi Yochanan getting at? Why is he saying that her lap and or her basket? Says the, says Rava, Rava because we assume that a person is not particular, a person, a husband will allow either where her lap is or where her basket is, he lets. Meaning husbands allow wives to place their baskets where they want or their laps and sit where they want. And therefore, right, what Rabbi Yochanan is adding here is that categorically, anytime he throws it into her lap, this is what the Mishnah really would be saying, anytime it's thrown into her lap or into her basket, that is a categorical idea that a husband is not makbid, and therefore it would be kona without a problem. And therefore now we have a supporting brisa to that effect. Right, the brisa says if he throws into her lap or her basket or anything that's similar to a basket, that's all considered an extension of her. She would be in fact divorced. What is this extra thing? So we already said the lap and we said the basket. What's this extra thing of anything that's like a basket? We want to add on to that. It would include even a pouch from which she eats dates. She has a little nosh bag. That's also like a sewing basket. It doesn't have to be Dafka's sewing basket. 
although they will sell sewing baskets mahadrin in pomegranate or whatever, you know, to, to require getting through it, uh, because that's the uh, original way that the Gemara does it, but it could also be a schnosh bag, it could be, you know, her pouch, her pocketbook, whatever her bag is, that is considered her rishus, because it is assumed, says Rabbi Yochanan, that the husband allows that to be her rishus, and if he throws it into that, it's an extension of her yad. So now we're in the Mishnah, in the middle of Ein Chesem and Alf, and the Mishnah talks about uh, a man who was uh, evasive, Barry. We'll call him the passive-aggressive, or he doesn't like confrontation. So now he's doing it, but he's not being very direct. This is, she was complaining about this for a while. She says, why can't you just be direct? Amar Allah, the man says to the wife, you see this? He's trying to avoid her. Nothing to see here. He's embarrassed to tell her he's giving her a get. So he says, here, here, let me give you this shtarchov. Just take, just take this. Trust me. It's good for you. You can't do that. Oshe. She finds like a star behind his back and she says, what's this? She reads it. Sure enough, he wrote her a get. Unbelievable. Ain't no get. The Mishnah says, that's not giving it to her. That's like she finds it. That he has to actually give it to her and be direct. Ain't no get. He has to actually say, this is your get. So this is a big deal, Barry, because we just said that he has to give it to her. But yeah, he has to give it to her and he has to be understood. It's part and parcel of the act of giving is to actually acknowledge that that's what you're doing. Okay, that's an important chiddush. Okay. What if he just places it gently and beautifully, right, uh, on her while she's sleeping? So she wakes up, she gets the surprise. So in the Urukara, she wakes up, she says, oh, a birthday card? So beautiful for me? Oh, no, it's a get. A no get. Not a get. Achiyomala hegitech. Okay, he has to tell her that's your get as he's giving it to her. Says the Gemara, Wait a minute. The, so if she finds, so, so, what would be the case if she finds the get behind him and in that moment he says, oh yeah, that's your get. Okay, so does that satisfy the Mishnah's requirement of telling her that's, that's what it is? Says the Gemara, that shouldn't work. Because we already said that if a husband throws it on the ground and he says, take your get from the ground, it doesn't work. Because after all, a husband who does so, right? He comes and he says, come, come into this room. And he, and he points to the ground and says, there's your get, pick it up from the ground. She's not divorced because that is not vinasan law, right? So what's the issue here? Even if he says, here's your get, Right, that's not enough. You have to hand it to her and say, here's your get. So that's the question of the Gemara. How can the Mishnah say that the only missing piece is, if she finds it, the only missing piece is that he didn't tell her that that's her get in time. Even, he has to hand it to her and tell her that's her get. The Gemara answers, Yeah, it, it means that she pulled the get from behind him. It was tucked into his waistband. And that is somehow helps. The Gemara says, that doesn't help either. Shlafta nami. What do you mean? She still, if she actually takes it from like his waistband, that's not helping. We say, it has to be, he has to be the active party here. It can't just be her taking it from him. He has to hand it to her. So how does this work? So the answer is, he did in fact make a physical motion. He actually moved his hip, so to speak, towards her in order to, Handed to her in a way 
or at least move it closer to her and hand it to her that way. And then even though she took it, he was active and enough. So if he actually motions his hip towards her with the get in his waistband and says, here's your get, and then she takes it, that is Vinasan. Okay? And we have a supporting Bryce to explain that that's, in fact, the Pshat. But the Bryce says, if, if a husband says to the wife, take this Shtarchov, this is, um, or... If she pulled the get from behind him, cross of Gita, and she read it, and it's her get, ain't no get. That would not work. That's exactly what our mission says. Until he says, here's your get, divrei Rebbe. That's what Rebbe says. Right? The only way it would be a get is if he takes it from her, and then he has to give it back to her, and actually, as he's handing it to her, as he's handing it to her, he would have to tell her, so now this is the, and then it would work. So, so far, reading this Brisa, it sounds like two very different cases. One case where she's taking it from him, and Rabbi Shimon Lazar saying that he has to actually take it back and hand it to her. But now the Gemara is going to explain that Brisa, and that explanation is going to be consistent with how we just explained our Mishnah as follows. It says the Brisa, If you give it to her hand and she's sleeping, the Ur of a car very Gita, she wakes up, she sees it's her get, ain't no get, just like our Mishnah says, that's not a get. Until he says, that's your get. Divrei Rebbe, that's what Rebbe says. So again, the same machlokes uh, with the sleeping beauty over here. It's going to still be uh, the same machlokes. Rebbe, Rebbe Shimon Lazar, does he have to uh, take it from her and give it back to her? Says the Gemara, we need to have that machlokes in more than one case, both by the sleeping and by the taking it from his hip. Why? Because if we only said in the first case, Maybe there, only Rebbe would say it. Because after all, since she is actually uh, alert and awake, she could theoretically be Migureshes, and it is for that reason that you have to teach, that you have to, uh, teach the Chiddush. Uh, there, Rebbe would say that she's divorced, but maybe when she's sleeping, not, right? Maybe if she's sleeping, Rebbe, who holds that the first case and the second case are both good, even without the declaration, maybe, uh, even without re-handing it to her, but in the, maybe in the case, right, um, of the sleeping beauty, maybe he would agree with Shimon ben Elazar that he has to hand it to her again. Because after all, she wasn't even a Basquirushi in the sense that she wasn't even alert at the time. And Conversely, if we only learn the case of the sleeping beauty, maybe only there Rav Shimon would have to say that you have to rehand her the get. But in the case of right where it's in his pouch, maybe Rav Shimon would agree to Rebbe. In other words, we need both cases, right? Because the case where she's sleeping is certainly a much bigger chiddush for Rebbe to say that it, he doesn't have to redo it. That's a much bigger chiddush because she's not even what we call a bas grushin. She's not even alert. Anyway, so the Gemara says, "I'm a rav, a kasev get." If you wrote a get for his wife, when a son of Biyad Abdan placed in her the hand of her slave, or Yashon Mishmarto, if he's asleep and she's watching over him, Harez a get. In other words, the slave is her property. So we said, if he puts it in her chazer, that would work. So if he puts it, puts it on her slave, it should also work. Neor, once the slave is awake, ain't no get. The get is not valid. Because there, even though it's her property, that property has a mind of its own, so to speak. And therefore, that is not, that's considered midaita. She has no control over that at all. And as we said earlier, a chatzar has to be under her control, just like her yad would be, in order to be valid to acquire a get. Ask the Gemara. Yashin mishmarta hareza get? What? If he's sleeping 
uh, is that considered reliable enough that it's her property and she's watching over it to, so as to constitute an acquisition of the get? Am I? Why would that work? That's still a mobile and we learn in a different context that chatzar me'alechas, as we'll see in Bava Metziah, right, is never kone. Uh, a slave, even if he's sleeping, is technically a mobile slave, a mobile chatzar. Even if you say, well, so long as he's sleeping, it's not really mobile because it's stationary. No, but Rava already explained that anything that can't, that can be moved, like a mobile courtyard, like a mobile home, right, with, with wheels, then even while it's parked in the, right, in the lot, it's still not Kona because it's, it's a, I don't know if this would apply to an actual mobile home, but the point is, if it has the ability to travel, it's not going to be Kona either. So the slave is sleeping currently, but he has the ability to travel and therefore it shouldn't be Kona. So the Gemara answers as it often does, yeah, he's not just sleeping. He's gagged and bound. Okay, so now he's really stationary. And he's stationary enough to be Kona that get. We have two minutes. So let's read the Mishnah on the bottom of Ayan Chesamad Aleph. This is where we're going to resume tomorrow. He throws it to her. Up until now, we talked about the acquisition of the Yad of the woman. And then we talked about the acquisition of the Chatzar of the woman, the property. What about if he throws it to her in a public place, or Shusarabim? Says the Mishnah, Karv law Megureshes, Karv law Eina Megureshes. If it lands closer to her, then that's considered enough as if she's Megureshes. If it lands closer to him, then she's not. And Mechzal Mechzal Megureshes Veina Megureshes. If in fact, right, if it lands halfway, we'll see about three or four explanations, three explanations, I think, of this Mishnah in the Gemara, of what's the Karv law, Karv law, and how we define these terms. Megureshes Veina Megureshes means that it's like a suffix, right? Let's say she's married to a coin. She can't go marry somebody else because she may not be divorced. But she can't stay with him either because she might be divorced and he can't be, as Rashi says, married to a Gerusha. So that is going to be the case for Gittin. And as the Mishnah continues, right? And that might be true as well for Kiddushin and for Dine Momonus as well. So as we will resume tomorrow, we will see how this idea of throwing a money to somebody who you owe money to or throwing Kesef Kiddushin to a woman in order to be Makadashar or throwing a get in a Rosh uh plays out according to scenario depending on where it lands.